0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with muck delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at Participating Restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. My name's Chris Miller. My
1: name is Paul Anderson.
0: My name is Mark Boyd. Hello. My name is Derek Combs and I listen to the Blue Army podcast. My name is Maddie Robson and you're listening to the Blue Army podcast.
2: Yeah,
1: long day, long day. Obviously, I, I was doing the, the food for tonight's game at Fox's. Yeah, anyway, I had one day to do it all in, so it was curry night. So you get in at 10 in the morning, you put your curries on, and they've got like until six o'clock to broth. Yeah, everything seemed to have gone down well. I did a Cape Town chicken curry in honor of uh old Dean uh Furman, mm-hmm. so hopefully, yeah, he appreciated that. If he if he never if never heard of it, probably <laughs> well. Hopefully he's appreciated that, man. Do you not fancy the game tonight, then? You're not a Johnson's
2: painthead? I'm not a Johnson's painthead, no. I think you've kind of uh, discussed this with me and Liam Denwood before, and I think, like, uh, both of us have similar feelings. And, like, uh, both of us don't attend the games. Yeah, true. sometimes, Sometimes I feel like it is a shame to not be attending a game, but...
1: Well, like, obviously, if I didn't get, if I wasn't getting in for free, I don't think I would have gone. But there's a little bit of news about the game, obviously, because it's just happened as we're kind of recorded. The game's just finished. So we'll dive into uh, the episode and we'll maybe cover the Johnson's Pair just a little bit because the attendance did impress me, to be honest, today. The attendance did impress me, but we'll go into details in a minute. It's absolutely lovely to have you back. just me and yeah. you today. Um, I've got a couple of voice notes from the old Denny. Uh, he's in Ireland this week. Yeah. But he's been nice enough to give us a a match report and a man of the match. Um, So, I mean, obviously we'll get to hear his views, and it'll be like he's in the room with us. When you left us a voice note last time, it was uh, it was the highlight of the show, mate. We enjoyed listening to that. It was an absolute pleasure. Just gonna cue that up on my phone now. Yeah, there it is. So that'll be ready to
2: go. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
1: got used. It got used. It got used. So don't worry about it.
2: Yeah, the whole time in Manchester.
1: <laughs> That's it. That was the highlight of the show. The the, the show title was almost called Episode 81. Uh, Will's in a hotel in Manchester. (laughs) That's how much we enjoyed your voice note, mate. That's how much we enjoyed it. But uh, obviously, we've got Liam's to look forward to today. So, uh, when we get there, we'll get there. But bloody hell, we've managed to get a fair bit of a preamble out of this, considering our tired. Maybe it's because we are tired, maybe it's because we're recording late. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe it's because we're be recording a bit later than usual and we're a yeah. bit tired. We're just going to sort of like have, have a little ramble. But anyway, we're here. We've put the effort in to make the show. So let's kick things off, eh?
2: Yeah, go
1: on. Oh, Reith Mares, how's it going? And welcome back to the Blue Army podcast. This is, of course, episode 88. and I am buzzing to be talking to the other half of the Cumbrian Brain Trust. That's right, the man you've all been missing, Will is back. Will's
2: Hello. Welcome. Yes. Great to be back.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we've already we've already both said we're a bit tired. We're recording mm. this one a bit later in the day. Mic problems, but mate, it's lovely to have you back. Obviously, Liam's mm. away. It's just gonna be me and you this week. Next week, I think things are gonna get back to normal and it'll be the trio. Uh, but there's also some guests being lined up for the next month. Uh, there's a band that want to come in and have a crack with us. They're lifelong Carlisle fans. That should be a, the portion of the show that everybody. Uh, lifelong Carlisle
2: into. fans. Yeah.
1: There's a band that might be coming on in in, uh, in in the next coming weeks, and there's also the potential of a footballer coming on who was playing at Carlisle United. Only just last season. Now, obviously, I've been burnt before, and I don't want to mention any names. I don't want to reveal too much. But if this comes off, mate, this is going to be quite the coup for our podcast, and uh, it should be quite the interview. Anyway, mate, there's this one thing we need to do to really get the show kicked off properly. It's everybody's favourite feature. It's time for the Blue Army Podcast Joke of the Week! Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's
0: the Blue Army
1: Podcast! Joke of the Week! Get in! Here we go, mate. Right, here we go, here we go. What did one toilet say to the other?
2: I don't know. What did one toilet say to the other?
1: You're looking a little bit flushed oh it's late man leave me alone i didn't have that long to find a joke leave me alone Leave me alone. stay out the comment section you little rats there's no need for it i know it wasn't a good i know it wasn't a good joke i don't have enough time i didn't have enough time this week i can only apologize but there it is the joke of the week this week much toilet humor much toilet humor this week mm. <laughs> we'll plow into the news make the news <laughs> The news this week wasn't exactly uh, massive, there wasn't lots of it, but what there was was quite interesting. Paul Simpson came out on the press to say that we have had a couple of bids and a couple of inquiries made for a few of the Carlisle United squad now. Obviously, with the injuries that we've had, Simo has been forced into a little bit of recruitment along the back line. And there is going to have to be a little bit of balancing the books. Wills, with that being said, when you look at the contracts at Carlisle United, the players that are in the squad at the moment, who would you be happy to let go but be realistic in the terms that they have to bring in some money? Um, I don't know, because it's hard to think
2: who, who in the squad would.
1: It's hard to think. Sorry, you were saying it's hard to think who's in the squad. Can you hear us?
2: Yeah, it's hard to think who's in the squad who would actually bring in some money for us. Um, Hello? Can you not hear me? I
1: can hear you. I can hear you.
2: Oh, you can. Um, yes, it's, it's hard to think who in the squad we've got who could actually bring in some money. But um, I suppose, like, Amari Patrick's the only one I can think of. Um, we've got other players um, um, who are good players, but whether they're players who someone's prepared to actually... Does, you know, there's, we're, we're kind of, like, on the verge of a decent squad now, it seems. And, you know, you don't... The, the cost to letting an important player go could be more to us than what they'll actually bring in if we sell them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a delicate balance, isn't it? I, I do have to admit, I mean, I, I've obviously done my own little bit of thought about the subject and I've kind of gone round the squad about like, who's actually an asset that can bring in some money. Who's going to be maybe just somebody that we're, we're trying to get rid of the wages of and stuff like that. And there's, there's two names that come to the top of the list. And when I mention these two names, I'm not saying I want to get rid of them. I'm not saying that I'm just playing the devil's advocate. And I'm saying if Carlisle do need to sell somebody to bring in a bit of money and the least amount that like, it's going to upset the squad, um, I mean, one of which is Callum Guy he's got yeah. the time and his contract left over he's still got a reputation that carries him through a little bit I think because yeah. of that what happened on the beach he was getting lots of assists he was one of the best passing midfielders in the division at the time in terms of pass completion and I think you could probably flirt with somebody in the conference that's got a bit of money in the back pocket and probably get a couple of thousand pounds for a pay like Callum guy and if he's if he's you know He's got a young family, you've got to consider that. If someone's going to come in for him and offer him more money than what he's getting paid now, it probably won't be that hard for him to score. Thanks very much, Carlisle, but I'll see you later kind of vibe because there is a lot of competition in those central midfield places and there's a lot of popularity in the central midfield. Like Gibson's a really popular mm-hmm. player. Moxon's a really popular player. Jamie Devitt's a really popular player. You know, maybe he feels a bit neglected. Maybe he's not feeling the love of the fans that he's maybe felt. Maybe the fans are getting to the end of their sort of patience with him. Now he's not taking the free kicks and the corners. He doesn't really have as much to do on the pitch. And now the captaincy is also gone from him. It might be one of those things. Like I said, he's a good enough player to bring in a couple of thousand pounds. Now the other person is probably arguably the most valuable asset that we do have at the club. And under no circumstances would I want to let him go. But if there was a process to sort of like, balance the books a little bit i think jack armor could really bring in a decent transfer and yeah. um, he's still only you know 20 21 years old he's played week in week out for two and a half seasons now he comes from a good uh training background and i just feel like he could probably bring in six figures with a sell on clause potentially kind of vibe like but i wouldn't want to let him go because There hasn't been a lot of cover in that left-back position. I did watch the first half of the match tonight. Taylor Charters did really well at left-back, and obviously he did really well with Gateshead at left-back, and Joel Senior coming back can play right and left. So maybe if Armour went, it wouldn't be as bad as what people think, and it would bring in uh, a large large transfer, Kitty. Will, to stir the pot a little bit more, if you had to put a valuation on Jack Armour, just an estimation... What would you say his worth is in football?
2: Um, I'm gonna say three hundred
1: thousand. Oh yeah, I think that's a good that's a good amount of money to be asking for somebody with plenty of time left on his contract. Like yeah, 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 that's decent. And a left sided player, yeah, that's probably fair. I probably go I probably go for that kind of like quarter of a million kind of area yeah. with add ons kind of vibe. But yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you. There. I have to agree with you there. They're the kind of players that I'd consider. Uh, Valuable assets enough to sort of like balance the books if it came to that. In other news, my friend, Rochdale have fired and hired managers this week. The new manager coming in is a man called Jim Bentley. Obviously, one of the favourites for the job was Chris Beach. Rochdale are Carlyle United's next opponents. Does this kind of put you in the, um, uh uh-oh, that they've got a new manager, they're going to be up for it next week kind of mindset?
2: yeah I mean Rochdale also had some kind of good news this week relating to their ownership issues where um there was a some weird thing last season with a hostile takeover and they were gonna end up owned by something one to and um and they've they've settled a legal case which has apparently drawn a line under that whole strange story so I don't know if they're kind of like in an onwards and upwards kind of mood now Um, they seem to have been kind of down in the dumps for most of the last sort of like three or four seasons but um, you know like when Swindon had that change of ownership and suddenly it was like they were a different club so yeah you don't know like we're going to come up against a different Rochdale in terms of how they play with Jim Bentley managing them are we going to come up against a more sort of like a positive G-dup, Rochdale, is their attendance going to be up? Because they've had quite low attendances sort of over the last um few seasons. But um, is this the sort of thing that's going to bring in a bumper crowd for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it. I always get worried when, when you're playing against a team with a new manager in charge because it just seems to be the, the the way it goes, the rubber, the grass, that, that the team with a new manager in charge go out there and they manage to win the game nine times out of ten. But hopefully... Jim Bentley hasn't quite had enough time with his squad and maybe gets it wrong on the day approaching the match. And we can, we've can we got a good enough squad to, to beat Rochdale on paper. So unless it's going to be some crazy kind of team speech that this Jim Bentley can produce, I'm still thinking that Carlisle are going to win that game. But yeah, that's the kind of news from around the league in terms of how it affects us. Going into next weekend, the lone watch. There's been some developments for a couple of players, not so much for other people. Max Gillespie seems to be getting himself into the Annans setup more regularly and starting more games. In fact, he started the game in the Scottish Cup tonight against Aberdeen and they took Aberdeen to extra time. I'm not sure if it's finished yet. It was 3 1 the last time I looked at it to Aberdeen, unfortunately. Once again, Swinglehurst scoring the goal, another ex-Carlisle player, scoring a goal for Annan. And um, the Annan manager, uh, Peter Murphy, has been highly rated by the Aberdeen manager. I forget his name. And the Aberdeen manager is basically suggesting that Peter Murphy should be started getting earmarked for better jobs. I mean, he's not having the best of seasons over there so far. And we're going a little bit off topic, to be honest. We'll bring things back to Max it's great in terms of his development to be playing against the top draw team in the Scottish Cup, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, um, I mean the you know the teams at the top of the Scottish League are good enough. What we say like championship level. Some of the, you know, obviously Celtic and Rangers are different, but you know yeah. the Aberdeen's and
1: stuff. <laughs> I think they used to be. No, I think they used to be. Like, don't get me wrong, like Celtic back in the day when you're talking about players like Larson, Hutz, uh, Sutton, Hartson, Thompson, uh, Nakamura, like players like that. that, Yeah, that's a Premier League squad, but I don't think they've been that standard for a very long time and now they have Rangers.
2: Yeah, well, I guess maybe it was the whole Rangers getting kicked down to League 3 there and Celtic having no competition Maybe that's I think most. Like... I think
1: most Scottish teams would struggle in the championship. I'm not saying they yeah. wouldn't survive. I'm just saying most Scottish teams would struggle in the championship.
2: Anyway, good yeah. experience though for um, who is it? We actually got on loan at Annan? Max Max Gillespie.
1: Yeah, it's Max Gillespie. Yeah, he's playing a lot of centre-back apparently as well. Um, He was brought in to sort of be a left-sided player. He seems to have found a bit of a hole in the centre-back position. So maybe there's some injuries over there at Annan that have led to him playing alongside Swinglehurst in the back two as a centre-back. But... uh... I mean, there we go. Uh, Max is getting some first team football and somebody else that's out on loan who is also getting some first team football is Lewis Bell. But unfortunately, Lewis Bell continues to be on the losing end of results. Uh, Gretna 2008 lost against a team called Civil Service Strollers by three Goals to one. I mean, this That's is the Scottish Lowland League. It is. Right? They, they haven't <laughs>
2: even got a civil strollers. It's not a well, name, it's a pub,
1: like, it's a pub team. A load name. of
2: accountants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and this is the week. This is the week after they got absolutely demolished by a Celtic reserve team in the same kind of league. And I mean, it, it, it does just hammer home the level of football that Lewis Bell is stuck in right now. It's good that yeah. he's getting first-team football, but it, it, it's such a low standard of football, mate. Like, is there any development in it for him, really, to be outside? I
2: don't know. I mean, like, they've sent him to Gretna, presumably because it's really close by. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not the Gretna... It's, it's not even the Gretna pre... Pre uh, Brooks Marlson and them getting into the league because then they were kind of like a competitive non-league team that kind of got into the league, but it's now just a sort of it. it seems like the um, rest, the restarted team is very much kind of like a village team and it's that kind of level. So
1: yeah, I don't know if is I don't know how the sort of Scottish lowland divisions work and stuff. I don't think there is a nobody does. A promo- Yeah, I'm not sure there's a way into the Scottish League from that.
2: there is now, yeah. I I don't know about from that league, but I mean, they for for a long time there was no automatic promotion or relegation at the bottom of the Scottish League, but that's been going. So there is a way,
1: um, but I think can't imagine Gretna in 2008 getting anywhere near it anytime soon. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of kind of non-league teams in Scotland, and only one place at the bottom of the league that they can kind of get promoted into. So it's, you know, it's kind of like a long way off most teams actually ever getting into the league. I think there's a really good YouTuber talks a lot about Scottish football and he's actually English.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I know that guy's done Carlisle videos before it on YouTube. Is, yeah, <laughs> didn't he do it? He, he did a video on YouTube about like when Michael Knighton was buying Carlisle. One of his ambitions was to get Carlisle relegated on purpose and then push them into the Scottish <laughs> yeah. League rather than take them down into the National League. That sounds yeah. like madness, mate! Absolute madness.
2: Mm. He wants but, to buy um, Man U
1: now, so oh, good luck again He wants to crowdfund, <laughs> crowdfund a Man United takeover The Man United fans
2: are excited about it because obviously they hate Glazer And they have no idea what Michael Knighton's about
1: so. <laughs> surely, surely they can find someone else, man Surely they can find someone else, I don't know I'm sure Michael Knighton's book never sold enough copies for him to buy Manchester United like, <laughs> <laughs> Harry's with
2: the last. We of a consortium
1: <laughs> oh Jesus I wonder who's friends with Michael Knight Jesus, imagine Michael Knight's friends sort of people that are willing to loan Michael Knight money imagine having dinner with them what kind of people are those mate what kind of people are those Oh, dear. The last man on our lone watch is, of course, young Sam Fishburn, who continues his goal drought, unfortunately. He came off the bench twice over the week, um, once on the weekend, one during the week, and only being able to help his team to two draws, not being able to get on the end of anything. Uh, in the last game, he came off the bench to replace Lewis McNall, who is absolutely on Fire for Blythe Spartans, Will. And I've spoken to Liam Denwood about it a little bit last week, and we couldn't necessarily figure out what Sam is supposed to do when the person who you're competing with is scoring week in, week out. What can you do to get in that? doesn't, like... If you're scoring week in, week out, you can turn up to training with a cigar in your mouth and you'll probably still get played next weekend because you're scoring goals, mate, and that's the most valuable commodity in football. What can Sam Fishburn do to force himself into that team when this Lewis McNall guy is just scoring for fun? I think
2: it's difficult because, I mean, you know, McNall, I presume McNall's kind of a contracted player for them as well. So they're not going to want to risk his happiness at being at the club and everything like that for a loan player. So it it might be one of those where it's kind of the loan hasn't worked out simply because um, Blythe Spartans have turned out to have a contracted player in his position who's on form. And for reasons that are understandable, if you're a Blythe Spartans fan, um, Sam Fishburne's not going to get a look in. He might, because, I mean, the goals might dry up. I mean, I don't want to wish it on anyone. There might be an injury that lets kind of Fishburn in. So, I mean, presumably we can recall this loan at any time. Um, Blythe Spartans, if if, if they're naming Fishburn on the bench, they're probably not going to have a big squad themselves because they're just a small team. So they probably don't want it recalled because they probably still want to have the cover. But maybe there's somewhere better he can go.
1: Yeah, do you think that's the solution, mate? Is is to maybe bring Sam back and send him somewhere else? Do you think like he probably could have had an opportunity to have played tonight if he was a part of the squad?
2: Yeah, I mean we discussed the level that Blythe's fans were at before already when um, when it was announced that was where he was going, But we maybe thought that even then that he could he could he could be at a better level than that. So Um, And, you know, we've had players loaned to us before who then haven't got a look in because there are players ahead of them. And it's a similar thing. You know, this is a situation where we're the big club and we want our player to be playing football. Uh, They have no obligation to play him. But unlike with the loans that are made to us from bigger clubs, we can end the loan, I think, probably at any time. So... That's what I would do.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it makes sense. It makes sense. I think, like, also, I don't think this is going to do Sam's the um, mentality any good to be sitting on the bench down there when he could just be sitting on the bench up here. Um it's not gonna do his, his, his stock any good as as in terms of value as a footballer either to be sitting on the bench at that level when you could be sitting on the bench at this level. Obviously nobody wants to be sat on the bench. But anyway that's the end of the loan watch for this week. We're all caught up on loans. Um, injury news, there's no, there's no there's no, fresh injuries. Nobody's been injured. Obviously, we've got long-term injuries to Brennan Dickinson. Toby Show Silver's still got four to three weeks left to go. Um, Joel Senior's still out for maybe a month or two. Uh, things seem to be a bit sketchy about that still in terms of his recovery coming back, but... Obviously, we've been boosted by people coming back like Ryan Edmondson's been uh, reported as being fit but hasn't played a game yet. Um Taylor Charters is fit and he was a part of the squad against the Manchester under-21s tonight and also Morgan Feeney was on the bench against Gillingham and started tonight against the Manchester United under-21s and all that is backed up by Paul Huntington being slightly ahead of schedule and starting the game against Gillingham so yeah, there's no fresh injury concerns many people coming back from injury the squad is looking nice and healthy, well did we maybe act a little bit too quickly in the loan market, bringing in players like Jack Scretton and Duncan Idahan? Are these lads just going to get the rough end of the sponge? And and like we've been saying about Sam Fishburne, they're just not going to get the minutes under the belt. Or is there a chance for them?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I guess Stretton seems to still be getting chances. Uh, I mean, I say still because um, Idahan's only just arrived, so I can't say that he... Isn't getting chances yet because he's, he's only just arrived. But um, you, you kind of, especially you look at our defence now and Feeney back. Um, I don't know how much longer Barkley's out for.
1: But. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Barkley's still out for, I think. Five weeks
2: five weeks. Five weeks, not a huge yeah. amount of time. It was
1: six it was six to eight weeks. Now it's now obviously it's gone down to five. Yeah,
2: just difficult to see what the need for Eiderhill is specifically. Up front there might be more of a chance for Stretton. There aren't as many players going for those positions and we haven't really been you know, we haven't been scoring loads of goals Dennis, obviously, but um we're still kind of waiting on Edmondson to get a league goal, Patrick to get a goal. Um, who else that might have scored? Well, I suppose Gibson hasn't scored, but he has assisted, so...
1: Yeah, Gibson's contributions to the games have been quite big. And, uh, mate, let's just dive into the match report. And as we always do when we dive into the match report, I'll give you Carly United's starting lineup for the game against Gillingham, which had Hoyley in net, back, Whelan, Huntington, Mellish, and Armour at the back five, with Gibson, Guy, Moxon in the midfield. Dennis and Patrick up front. Now, obviously, the defensive line has been changing quite a lot over the last couple of weeks because of injuries—not left back, not right back—but the central three. Other than that, we've been quite consistent going forward. Do you think Paul Simpson's the sort of manager that once he's found or his strongest eleven, or what his in his opinion is his strongest eleven? He run, he runs that week in week out, and in in his opinion, do you think that midfield free is his best midfield free?
2: Um, yeah, I think so. Um, but I think um, Harris is still kind of returning to fitness, hmm. so so he's maybe still in the you know I mean because obviously Harris is the player that we've given a three year contract to and play paid money for so. He's still kind of somewhere in the back of Simo's mind, and maybe he's just kind of not yet in full consideration to start to start games because of the injury. But um, you know, he may well be starting the game. But it depends how the others do. You know, he may just struggle to get in. I don't think I don't think Paul Simpson would make a change just for the sake of it because he's got a player coming back. But
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, but, that's, you the know, that's the point. That's the point. Yeah, that's
2: the point is that Simo's not that kind of manager. Yeah, but if, you know, if, if they underperform in a game, or, you know, I mean, I'm sure that he potentially would if he were coming up against uh, an, an opposition where he felt that Harris's qualities were specifically what's needed. You know, I don't think he'd like stubbornly stick to the same 11 no matter what either. So there probably is still chances for, for you know, for that four. Compete
1: for three spots. I mean, I'd say, I'd say, going going into a game, the only person that you're guaranteed to be starting a game right now in the league is Dennis and Hoyley, Armour, and Finn, Finn back there you get there you guaranteed starters everyone else is kind of a little bit interchangeable because I think Corey Whelan's actually done himself a really good service after being called into the squad for the last couple of games and he might have pushed himself up that pecking order a little bit and now is in contention to be a part of that defensive three because we all know it's Huntington, Feeney, and someone else and that, at the moment it's Mellish
2: yeah. and he's
1: justified himself being in the squad and obviously in this goal uh, in this game, sorry, he managed to yeah. score the winning goal which you're not going to take that person out of the squad but yeah. if Whelan's a good defender and Mellish, you know, looks a bit keen to get forwards and you're happy to have him in the box a bit more regularly, then maybe Mellish goes into the midfield and someone gets dropped from the midfield and Whelan ends up being a part of that defensive line. No, Mellis, um, go and walk about again. This is the thing. This is the thing as well because, like in the Gillingham game, now we're talking about the Gillingham game. Like what I noticed a lot is that Melis just kind of, if Car- when Carlisle have the ball, Mellis just goes wherever he wants to go. Sometimes he's, he's, yeah. he's backing up the defensive left. Sometimes he's backing up the defensive right. Maybe he's not going where he wants to go. Maybe the game plan is when Carlisle United have the ball you you have to be near it, basically. Yeah. So if the ball goes down the left channel, you need to support the left channel. If the ball goes down the right channel, you need to be supporting the right channel. But the yeah. idea is, when Carlisle United have the ball, Mellish needs to get his ass closer to the ball to be an option. Yeah, um, he's definitely
2: a got the stamina to do that, so yeah. it's kind of good to make use
1: of that. That seems to be the sort of game plan, and, and it, it, I, I really did see it in that game, Um in the first half, you, they were right up the end that I was in the paddock, and you could see Mellish going down the left and supporting armor. And I was like, What are you doing going down the left? Like, down the right, maybe, but like, I don't think he'd ever go down the left. But there he was, mate. He was down the left and he was backing up armor and then passing the ball into the midfield or, you know, looking for a sort of like cross himself. But he's not a left footer, you know, it's yeah. one of those kind of to the back post curler kind of balls, but still. He's offering the options, and that seems to be the game plan. Is that we've got? Yes, we do play with a back five, but when we have the ball, somebody's going forward to give that man options. And Mellish has done a cracking job. And obviously, the goal is 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 evident of that. I mean, shall we? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pretty much the game itself, mate. Yeah. And uh, we'll go into Liam Denwood's reaction as well, and we'll listen to that, and and we'll we'll react to Liam Denwood's reaction. The first half was it was boring. Boring. It was fucking boring, mate. It was just dreadful. I mean, they, they couldn't string together five passes and neither could the opposition, thankfully. But it was just a drudging game of football. Patrick Omari was just not having any luck and neither was Gibson, neither was Moxon. And Moxon looked like he was carrying a little bit of a knock as well. So not to the best of his standards. And uh, I mean, Dennis was keen. And in the first half, he shot one from about twenty-five yards out, and you know he was going, he went for it, but nothing, nothing solid, not nothing great, you know, no really good chances in the first half. What is that, Will? When a team just doesn't get like the basics right for for a full forty-five minutes, like like Simo isn't the sort of manager to go sick on the sideline. That was what Dennis Booth was for. Do we need that guy back? Do we need? The sort of person that Simo can look at and go, "Get these fucking lads working," you know.
2: Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, because we don't really have anyone who's gonna kind of like ball and shout from the sidelines. Um, I didn't see it myself, so I don't know if the cause of that is, as you say, kind of like just the players seemed like the weren't really like the heads weren't really in it. I guess that's that's what that sounds like. Mm. Um, So, I mean, I saw the highlights. Um, It's saying something that one of the highlights was a defensive header that almost but actually didn't really score an own goal.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a poor game, mate. It was a really poor game. Some of the highlights are literally just like a cross that looked like a shot going over the back post. Like That's how that's how poor some of the highlights are in the first half. But obviously, in the second half, and uh, we didn't have to wait too long in the, into the second half. Sorry, he's getting my stats up. Yeah, we didn't have to wait too long into the second half, just 10 minutes before John Millish finally broke the deadlock for Carlisle United. And it's, it's evident of what we've been talking about, mate. The game plan seems to be... Get amongst it. Get down the left. Get down the right. Now, on this occasion, Gibson was bringing the ball forward. He had a shot that was deflected, poorly cleared by the Gillingham defence. And Gibson managed to get to his own sort of rebound somehow. And a beautiful, cheeky pass through to Jack Armour. Oh, Sorry. So, I mean, yeah, Gibson played an absolute... I thought you were just going to compliment Gibson's ball through, to be honest, into Armour. No. yeah. No. <laughs> it was a lovely ball in. It was, very yeah, nice, of course. <laughs> yeah, very nice technique by Gibson to get the ball into Armour, who played a backheel into the path of Mellish, who still had a lot to do. It just took him two touches, though, to uh, get away from the defender very, I mean, he could have gone down, maybe, potentially, you know, if he wanted to. It says a lot to his character that he stayed on his feet. And, uh, I mean, the shot was going wide, um, but it went off the uh, the Gillingham defender and just ended up in the back of the net. It's credit to the type of player John Mellish is that goal. That goal has John Mellish's name written all over it, doesn't it, Will?
2: Yeah, it, it's all about persistence. And, you know, persistence with the other players as well, like Gibson and... It's good if we if we score if these are the sort of goals that we can score in these sort of matches where we just need something to go in to win, um, then the players are showing that they've got the ability to do that. To you know, to persist with those sort of ones where in another game, you know, you might give it up for lost, but you kind of like understand that especially especially in this game, maybe this was the crux of Paul Simpson's first, ta- you know, uh, Paul Simpson's half time talk that um, that you're just going to get a half chance and then you're just going to have to persist with it and turn it into something better because it might go in and it's going to, you know, took a bit of a deflection, didn't it? So there's a bit of luck, but it went in because there were players, especially players like John Mellies, who were just kind of like, just going to chase this ball and do something with
1: it. Yeah, I mean, I think we said it like maybe on the first or second episode of this season where we were just talking about the fact that sometimes you need a bit of luck. Like You just need to be on the right side of the Irish charm, as it were. And uh, we didn't seem to have much of it for the last two or three seasons. And if you are going to have some success in a season, you do need to have a bit of luck. And there we go. We, We do get that little bit of luck once again. But obviously... Massive credit to John Mellish. Um for the rest of the second half, Carlisle were just sort of happy to wallow in their poor performance that they did for the first half. But Gillingham didn't do that much to really press Carlisle and like, no shots in the box and uh, only able to sort of like chip in with a couple of set pieces and a couple of crosses in that didn't really seem to trouble Thomas Hoyley too much. Thomas Hoyley's looking like a very confident goalkeeper recently. And uh, I think Simo uh, will be very happy with the fact that his defensive line kept a clean sheet against Schillingham. That's another really good thing to take away from the game. Um, I mean, I can't really say too much more about the game. Should we listen to uh, Liam Denwood's match reaction? Should we see what that sounds like?
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. I've already watched his. Um, Is I've already watched his Blue Army TV um, as part of my research because I you know I watched the highlights, though I need more, so I watch that. So <laughs> I will, I've, So I know I know what he thinks about it. So let's see what he says here.
1: And maybe we've got like a mini version of what he did on his YouTube. Maybe it's like the highlights. Maybe he's got the full 15 minutes of his YouTube show on here.
2: Is he going to like put in a little thing to like uh, subscribe for more?
1: (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I don't listen to that. It's the same with yours last week. I don't like, because I want it to be my live reaction as well. So I haven't listened to them. I'm like, So I've had a really awkward sort of like chat. And it's just sort of like, I'm not going to listen to this until I do the show. And then just like a thumbs up. And we had to sort of kill our own conversation there and then. Because obviously, you wanted to talk about the game, but I've been saving it for this. But here we go. Here we go. It's uh, Liam Denwood from Blue Army TV, which is on YouTube. And uh, he might tell you to like and subscribe. I'll tell you to like and subscribe. Go over yeah. and like and subscribe. Here we go. This is his match reaction. Hello, Wills and Liam. Um,
0: hey. I mean, my match
1: reaction from the game against... Uh, uh, Gillingham today, and I'm gonna. I've got to say, although we got the three points, I didn't think it was our strongest performance. I definitely think we played better in some of the draws we had. The big negative for me is Christian Dennis losing his goal scoring streak, which, uh, you know, I was
2: I was enjoying seeing him break some records. But yeah, we're going to be judged on the three points at the end of the day, and we did get that, so there aren't that many negatives. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got really got to say today. There wasn't that many talking points coming from the game
1: today. Uh, but three points is all that matters in the end, and I'm happy with that. I'll say what man, he's not wrong. He's
2: not that's, wrong. That's it, not all he had to say though. He managed to draw out a good six minutes of it. <laughs> no, yeah,
1: to be fair, yeah, you can go if you want to know what Liam really felt about. Yeah, that's.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, that's. Uh, that's an abridged version of of his because it it speaks a bit more about kind of like our defence. Um, and the options that've we got in defense um how well huntington played and also the fact of scoring a goal again like yeah. one goal every game though
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's a minor achievement but it's an achievement um I mean he is right though isn't he we both kind of like talked about it a little bit there at the end of the day what's really important is the three points in the clean sheet
2: yeah um you know we not gonna, we're not gonna play brilliantly every week, um, but teams that do well have other ways of winning, um, and like just like we're talking about with the persistence over the goal, if that's something that we can kind of do regularly when we're not playing that well, and admittedly we will come up against a Gillingham team who also weren't playing very well, so but if that's something that we can do regularly in these sort of games, then you know we're kind of going around turning draws into wins. Which is two points every time you do
1: it. So, well, that's the difference, yeah. man, between playoffs and promotion and, and everything else. Wins three points, draws don't draws don't get you there in the end, man. Like 15 draws a season will see you just outside the playoffs. Fifteen wins a season will see you just inside the playoffs. And you know, these are the very slim margins that football teams live by at our level of the game. And um Thank you very much, Mr. Liam Denwood from Blue Army TV on YouTube. You'll be back very soon uh, to give us your Man of the Match. But me and Wills are going to go first and we're going to give you our Foxy's Features Man of the Match. Wills, since it's been so long since you've been here to do this, you can go first, buddy. Who's your Man of the Match for the Gillingham game?
2: So my Man of the Match and since my research on how we played included Liam Denwood's um, Liam Denwood's podcast. Um, I feel like I've probably been influenced by him a little bit. Um, so I'm going with John Mellish. I don't know if that's going to be his man of the match, but he does, he does talk up Mellish's performance and obviously the goal. So um, based on ah. that and the highlights that I've seen, another thing I'm going to give it to John Mellish. Well, I, I don't know. He I, might not have given it to John Mellish. I, I have up. another
1: chapter. I have another chapter of uh, Skelly's embarrassing stories. Now he yeah. works at Brunton Park. So the Skelly's <laughs> embarrassing story this week is uh, John Mellish obviously won the Man of the Match Awards yeah. at uh, at, at, Brunton, at Brunton Park, at Carlisle. For the Carlisle game against Gillingham, he won the Man of the Match Awards. One of the things you have to do when you win the Man of the Match Award is that you get brought into Foxy's restaurant for all the people that were sitting in the boxes uh, and they present you with like a, a bottle of champagne, I think it is, in Foxy's mm-hmm. restaurant. Then you go over to the Sponsor's Lounge. You pretty much do the same thing in the Sponsor's Lounge, but they give you uh, something else as a matter of the Match award. So you basically go to these two different bars. Anyway, when John Mellish uh, was, was collecting the Man of the Match award this week. Uh, I was downstairs in the office signing out of my shift. And uh, as I was signing out of my shift, I walked back through into the foyer of Fox's restaurant and John was holding his young child and his Man of the Match award while his missus was trying to take a picture. And I just pretty much burst into the room with just them two in it and and me. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. Um, Crack on, do your own thing. And I just turned around and left the room really embarrassingly, uh, even though they were like, no, no, come through, come through, come through. And they would have been very aware that the only thing For me to go back to was the office of which I uh, just came from. (laughs) Basically
2: walked back into an empty room or a closed room.
1: (laughs) Yeah, But then the gentleman in me took over and realised that I'd been incredibly rude and I should have offered to take a picture of the three of them together. You know, So obviously I'd burst back into the room about five seconds after I'd just left the room to be like, Would you guys like a picture together? I can get a picture of all you guys together if you'd like. Which was just sort of like, no, it's fine. You don't have to. So which I had to just slink back for the third (laughs) time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just like,
2: close the door. Okay, I'll be out with you down here.
1: (laughs) I was literally, I was literally, I had nothing to do in that office apart from just like wait for them to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear me, mate. Oh dear me. But yeah, that's my embarrassing story from Brunton Park this week. It's fun to get this on the podcast every now and again. It's all right, it's a nice little feature. It won't happen every week. It won't happen every week.
2: Didn't embarrass himself every week.
1: No, I don't always embarrass myself. Sometimes
2: we're playing away.
1: (laughs) Why am I so awkward around (laughs) these players? Do you, know the, do you know what the really funny thing is? Is that John Mellis's missus is a listener to this podcast. And if she's listening to this one, she will now know the person that burst into the room is me. And the next time we see each other around Bruton Park, because obviously she'll go and support John very regularly, yeah. um, maybe maybe there'll be an awkward sort of uh, a bit of eye contact where we. Sort oh, of wouldn't go, that be
2: nice? Make it a bit more awkward.
1: And there's another <laughs> awkward story for everybody. that will be fun. that will be fun. Maybe I should just stay away from John Mellish. <laughs> this is misses full stop. Maybe I'll just do that. Maybe I'll just stay away. <laughs> If
2: there's a nearby office, you can hide in. (laughs) (laughs) Kit room, workout
1: room, physio. Cupboard. Yeah, cupboard. (laughs) I reckon I'll I'll be hiding in a lot of the places around Brunton Park just to avoid certain uh, people that I find a bit daunting to meet on some occasions. (laughs) But anyway, anyway, my Man of the Match Awards for the game against Dillingham, and it was an incredibly poor game. But coming out of the game, obviously, we did... Keep the clean sheet. And in my opinion, the person that contributed to the most to Carlisle United keeping that clean sheet was, in fact, Paul Huntington. He led that back line incredibly well. He was absolutely solid in the air, winning um teen headers. And, uh, and there was a reason why Gillingham weren't shooting anywhere near our box. And one of the reasons why is because Paul had that back line very, very very much organised. I know he got brought off in the 72nd minute now I'm looking at it for Feeney, but in my opinion, if Huntington didn't start that game, I don't think we would have won that game. So for me, I'm going to give it to Paul Huntington. Paul, we'll have a listen. I'll get back on my phone yeah. again.
2: Well, Ian Denwood who- was very complimentary about Huntington himself, so I feel like he's going to give the man of the match to either Mellish or Huntington.
1: All right, here we go. We'll Let's see. see what side of the fence he lands on. Oh, they might surprise us. Maybe he'll yeah. give it to Hoyley again or something. I think he gave it to Hoyley last week. We'll see. We'll see. Here we go.
0: For my man of the match today, I'm probably going to have to go for John Mellish. You know, <laughs> and for the obvious the goal,
2: you know, it wasn't his finest well goal. You know, it counts all the same. But I think even without the goal, he was probably still our man of the match. <laughs> <In> more, <laughs> even without the goal. John Mellish was putting in, were absolutely unreal. You know, some of the defending. You
1: know, I've questioned John Millish this season. I, I, you know, a lot of people have. And rightfully so, my
2: opinion. Podcast.
1: Today showed his oh, class. Oh well, and he was a really exclusive alongside Paul Huntington.
2: I think so he
0: does. having the discipline <laughs> of Paul
1: Huntington next to him has allowed him to sort of become a really
2: good defender in this <laughs> last game. And he showed his class. And yeah, he's my choice. Thank you. I mean, well, I, basically, you go. I basically just spent ten minutes before this podcast listening to what Liam Denwood thinks about the game. So we well we're like we're good like, insight into his mind.
1: We're like, we're, like the, we're like the match of the day to his, to his uh, uh, you know, game, aren't we? We just get the highlights of his opinions, like, yeah. Yeah, but uh, thank you very much. There he's gone for John Mellish. Uh, so there we go. John Mellish claiming two man of the matches today, and uh, deservedly so. It was difficult to pick between people. Yeah, Mellish's gold contribution was big. Liam did mention uh, Paul Huntington there. I'm sorry, but like the start of that, I, I, lo- I love the way that man of the match. I'm so I'm going to play it again. I'm going to have to play it again. Are you listening? Are you listening? Oh, for my man of, today, I'm no man of the match today. Man
2: of the match today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. He just says it like a normal person, doesn't he? I,
1: think, I, 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 think, I just think he was really excited to do his man of the match. I don't know. Maybe of that's he me. was. Yeah, he was.
2: Why We just
1: you won. And many of the best today. these, Cle- like Cliff Richard, uh, guy from Max and Paddy. No, we'll move on. So oh. like, our audience is too young for that, probably. I don't know. Anyway, 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 obviously, Manchester United under 21s came to town tonight, and uh, we can see that the final result for that game was indeed 3-1 to the Manchester United under-21s. Jamie Devitt did score a goal for Carlisle United. Um, it's the Johnson's paint trophy, mate, but the real news is here for us, because there was obviously there's no way of you to have been able to watch any of the highlights or anything uh-huh. like that, and I only saw the first half, and then I came running back to be able to record this episode before midnight. Um, so... <laughs> The real takeaway from this for me is the fact that there was nearly three and a half thousand people at Brunton Park tonight. Mm. Yes, 340 of those were Manchester United supporters. And I'm doing air quotes when I say supporters because I reckon about 100 people travelled from Manchester and the rest of them are just people that live in Carlisle that are Manchester United. Supporters.
2: I mean, but, some of them would have been family of the players because these are kind of like their youth players as well. So I feel like that always accounts for a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, there you go. There's another like 50 to 30 people, like depending on how many tickets you get for your family in these games. There's probably a load of free tickets involved for this particular yeah. cup. Um It's not the worst result in the world. We don't really care unless we get anywhere near a Wembley. Um, so... It's disappointing, but like hopefully Simo shook some hands and maybe made a contact and maybe there's the player in that reserve squad that he might be able to chat up in January based off a conversation and seeing somebody now. It's one of those games, isn't it? They're, now we've got the things Greg take back.
2: Yeah, I mean, now we've got Greg Ababa back. Doesn't he have kind of good contact at Man? It wasn't like, like a big thing that he was into when he was manager about his... About how good his contacts were with Manu and like James Chester and all that.
1: We did all right at the time because yeah, we had Norwood and Chester and I think there was a striker as well that we that we got in from Manu. Also have
2: Kangamani.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Apparently, but like, obviously, you know, relationships change over the years, and like, when you're in the same league as Salford, there's there's teams in our division that have better contacts to Manchester United yeah. than we do. So, uh... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's the only reason I'd say with the whole Man United situation that that might be an issue. But. Um, in terms of, of, of this tournament and in terms of the result, I don't think you could have really asked for a lot from the team that we put out, apart from getting back up to full fitness. Taylor Charters being a part of the squad, he did look decent at left-back in the first half from what yeah. I saw. Carlisle United did have some good phases of play. And another thing to take away from the game is that the fact that Omari Patrick has looked a lot better in this game than he looked against Gillingham and he looked against Swindon. Um, I feel like he's been lacking a little bit, uh Recently, he's been forced into the squad to play week in, week out because of the injury to Ryan Edmondson. I feel like he would have been given a break in the Gillingham game if Edmondson was fit or maybe he wouldn't have played blah, blah, blah. You know, these are all hypotheticals. But yeah, Patrick had a decent game against the Manchester United under-21s. And I feel like that's partly because he knows Edmondson's in contention to come back into the squad on Saturday against Rochdale. Rochdale, my friend. Let's do some predictions. Uh, yes, we've spoken about the fact that they've got a new manager coming in, but they are fucking awful. Uh, so <laughs> let's see what you think, Wills. What do you think? Uh, is it going to be enough for them uh... to pull off an upset against us? Or do you reckon we've got enough about us to carry on a pretty decent start to the season?
2: Yeah, I think um, I think we're going to win 1-0. Just... Yeah, carry on doing what we're doing um you know we only need to score one goal a game if we only concede one goal a game with the occasional two and most good clean sheets just just keep just keep scoring a goal a game
1: yeah yeah, 1-0, one 1-0. Nil, one nil. Um, I'm going to agree with you for a change. I don't think we've ever agreed on the match yeah. prediction. Let's make it, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1-0 is probably a fair result, I'd say. I, I think uh, if Ryan Edmonton does come back into the team, he might just be a little bit shy of full fitness and Carlisle's attacking might be lacking a little bit to get like a second or a third goal. But there will be Dennis, there will be Gibson, and there will be Sir Huntington and and, and people from set piece players now that we've just we're just more threatening from, yeah. from every position at the moment. So there's always a goal in us, I think. I think there's always a goal in us in every game. And I mean that's right, isn't it? The, the stats don't lie. We've got that goal per game ratio going for us. So obviously yeah. going into next weekend, me and Wills are thinking one-nil. What are you gonna say, pal?
2: Yeah, I was saying we're just a bit more clinical, but without being especially creative.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's um it's it is clinical. We do look decent, but when I looked at the stats with the Gillingham game, we just we didn't get that many shots, you know. So hopefully that was just one of those sort of like flash-in-the-pan situations and we'll get back yeah. to producing more chances and then from more chances we'll we'll end up scoring some more goals. But yeah, we do look I at mean, better the, football inside.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had the Crawley game where we had loads of shots and, you know, that you know that was just looking like we were creating a lot of just not being clinical enough. Um, yeah, true. But then, you know, we become more clinical, uh, less creative, just... Keeps averaging out to a goal a game.
1: That'll do us. I'm happy with that (laughs) until the end of the season. Yeah, as long as we keep winning them and keeping clean sheets, that'll do for me. Right, mate. Before we say goodbye to everybody, it's time for the final feature of the Blue Army Podcast, and that is, of course, on this. Day on this day in August 1994, hundreds of Carlisle United fans missed out on a 2 1 win at the best Scott Stadium, courtesy of two goals from David Reeves, when a lorry loaded of glass overturned on the M6 motorway two hours before kickoff. News that Walsall had been beaten lightened the mood as the heavy flow of traffic returned to head back to Cumbria. So, Wills, have you ever been involved in a delayed kick-off? And if so, where were you at? No. Oh, fair <laughs> I enough. Can't, and there we I go. Can't remember, the... Yeah,
2: I mean, if I if, if if I have, then it was only a short delay. Um, I mean, there was a, was there a delay kick off at Brenton Park last season, but like only by five minutes because um, fans queuing to get in or something like that. But it
1: was like Simmel's first game back at home, maybe, maybe yeah,
2: uh, but you know, nothing proper
1: in terms. Yeah. Of, so, go on,
2: you, uh, What about you? I take it you have.
1: No, I've not, I've not, I've not I just, no, I've not I just, no, I just don't think it happens that often, so, you know, maybe that's why it's written in a book, and we don't have stories about it, because it just doesn't yeah. happen that often, um, I mean, it might like, have
2: happened, I can't remember,
1: yeah, 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 it's one of those, like, I might have been at that one as well, it's not the but, sort uh, of thing
2: that you're like, I mean, you know, if you were going to that Warsaw game, you'd probably still remember it now, because a lorry load of glass spilled over, but I wouldn't kind of like think, like, oh yeah, I remember that one time that we were... Home to Hartlepool in 2004, and kickoff was delayed by half an hour. Yeah,
1: you're right. (laughs) you wouldn't think of it. You think about the result, (laughs) if anything. Yeah, you're right. You wouldn't. You wouldn't think of it. You wouldn't think of it. But I mean, there we go. I mean, the worst I've ever done is turn up to a game like 20 minutes late or something, like the travelling down. It was the Liverpool game, like Everton. Sorry,
2: a game a week early. Aware? No home. This was when I was living in Liverpool. So I, you know, I had to drive up from Liverpool. And it was when I also when I was in, I think it was in first year uni or maybe second, but it was early enough in like the early noughties that I think um I didn't have an easy way to have known otherwise that the game had been postponed because. Um, didn't have smartphones, I would have had to kind of like look up on the internet, is this game still on? So like, I, I had it on the calendar on my fixtures list, it was there, um, Nottingham Forest, but they'd qualified for the third round of the FA Cup and therefore, or they qualified not third, yeah, they qualified for a round of the FA Cup that meant the fixture was postponed and I didn't know and drove up to Carlisle
1: Oh well, I imagine you still have a decent coffee somewhere or something.
2: I, I think I just drove back. No, I think oh. I did. I did have a coffee somewhere. I went, I parked in town and kind of went for a mooch around. I think. <laughs>
1: well, at least, at least the petrol prices weren't that bad back then. Then, yeah, <laughs> might have been more of a kick in the and- teeth.
2: A tuppence a gallon.
1: That's what it was
2: back in there. <laughs> tuppence back a gallon. Never know it. Back in oh, I think it was a two thousand and five. Tuppence a gallon. Oh, you'll never know it. You'll never know it,
1: you'll never know it in your lifetime, kidders. Right, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this episode of the Blue Army podcast. Which uh, I do want to just tell people, um, it's a little bit of a personal thing for me. Uh, I am the new official voice of Target Wrestling for Carlisle for their YouTube account. So going forward, I'll be doing the commentary for Target Wrestling in Carlisle, and I would really appreciate it if any. Anybody listening to this right at the end of the podcast could go over to YouTube, type in "One Man Commentary Machine," and give me a subscribe or a follow. That'll be really appreciated. And uh, if you're in a subscribe and a follow mood, don't forget to do it for the Blue Army Podcast while you're there on YouTube. And of course don't forget about our links here on the Blue Army Podcast. Don't forget to follow us, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. It's always appreciated and it's always read and Will, something else that's always appreciated is your company here on the Blue Army Podcast. It's been an absolute bloody pleasure to talk to you. It feels like it's been a while. Has um, There's only one thing left for us to say, my friend. And that is, of course, bye for now. Uh <laughs> <laughs>